Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, we're in the second month of 2020, and as we move along, we have a brand new guest to the podcast. Please welcome Rosla. Good day, everybody. How was your day so far? It's been a very long, tiring day. Oh, really? Uh, I know that uh, pulling back the curtain, we're recording a little bit late. I'm in the I'm on the West Coast, California, so it's only 10 p.m. for me. But for you, it's a little later, isn't it? It feels like afternoon for me. Oh, really? <laughs> You're more of a night owl? Oh, yeah. Total vampire here. <laughs> Same here. Uh, I don't quite do, you know, um, 3 a.m. and 2 a.m. as much as I used to. I'm kind of getting old, but I do uh, still stay up until like midnight and one in the morning and such, depending. Trust me, I feel your pain. I'm not a, I'm not as old as you make yourself sound as, but <laughs> I could still feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Well, as we get started, as is customary when a person comes on the show, I'd like to give them a moment to self-promote anything. So would you like to share any Twitter or Twitch or anything at all? Uh, you can get a hold of me at any time on Twitter at Rosla underscore SN. That is R-O-S-Y-L-A underscore SN. Or you could go to my YouTube channel at Rosla Streaming Network. All one. Very good. I'll put those links into the show notes to have people be able to get there easily and hopefully get you some more followers and traffic and, and go check out what you do. So what is it that you do uh, on the YouTube? Uh, Magic-focused stuff, usually? I am heavily focused on Magic the Gathering Arena, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and Final Fantasy XIV. Well, very nice. It's. It, I think I remember someone else was also into Final Fantasy fourteen. I haven't played a Final Fantasy game in a long time, but one of my favorite childhood games was Final Fantasy two, aka Final Fantasy four in Japan. Um, but uh, that might have been a little bit before your time because it came out like in nineteen ninety one or so. If I had my web camera on, I would probably shock you by saying I have the actual cartridge. Ah, okay. Very nice then. Um, that was one of my prized possessions as well, that, that cartridge. Um, I actually got mine used. Uh, I wasn't able to buy the original one back in, back at that moment, but I got it used. And the funny thing is that the little like label is torn, uh, through the middle of it. So it says like F-A and then S-Y <laughs> and then that's <laughs> it. But I, I swear that it's the original. Yeah. To tell you, to tell you like a two minute story, it won't mm -hmm. take too long. My uncle, when I was seven years old, I wanted a PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. This was in the year 2000. Yes. And he told me, nope. I am going to start you off right from scratch so you can appreciate the games that were here in the past up to this day. And he would not get me a PlayStation until I complete. He would not get me anything upgraded until I completed five games of the earliest games. So I had to. He started me off with the NES, and then I had to go to Game Boy, and then I had to go to Super Nintendo. And then I had, and then I could choose between the N64 or the PlayStation 1, and I chose the PlayStation 1, of course. <laughs> wow, that's really fun. Um, so I guess, I guess he was also uh, a classic gamer and wanted you to experience how it was in the old days when we barely had like, you know, eight, eight bit colors and such. In that very same year, when I was seven, he taught me everything about Dungeons and Dragons. I became a pro at second edition at age nine. Uh, do you still continue doing D&D? Yes, I do. Heavily involved. That's cool. Do you ever stream that anywhere, or is it just like a real, in, in real life thing? I used to stream it, but it didn't get as many views as I thought it would. And because I had music going on in the background, YouTube was like, yeah, we can't have any of that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's a big annoyance. Definitely when I started streaming and I wanted to put the music that I like, YouTube was also like, nope, you can't do that. So I had to go with the uh, kind of like generic music and uh, I haven't had any troubles with that so far. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's a maze going through YouTube right now. Yeah. 
Times have changed. People want their money. Yeah, we have to jump through the hoops that used to be a lot easier. And uh, hopefully, if we just uh, persevere and uh, jump through those hoops or follow their lead, then I guess it'll work out. Play ball, they'll play ball with you. Mm-hmm. In retrospect. Mm-hmm. Now, the focus of the podcast is magic, specifically Magic Arena, but I like to ask the guest at the beginning how long they have been playing magic in any form. Originally since Origins. Origins really got me into the game, because I used to be a heavy Yu-Gi-Oh player, and then I got really tired. Um, I stopped Yu-Gi-Oh at the... uh, um, when they started going into synchro monsters, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. And then, um, so I started, uh, I took a break, and then I went into Magic the Gathering. I went to an Origins event, and uh, um, never looked back, really. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool, Magic Origins. That was, like, one of the last core sets. Yeah, uh, Origins was the very starting of the new storyline with uh, Jace and Chandra and Liliana and Nyssa mm-hmm. and Gideon. Mm-hmm. So I played originally in the 90s from 1995 to 1999. So I missed out on like the original most powerful cards. Uh, but the late 90s was the first time that I played. And then I stopped for a long time until... Hour of Devastation, which was 2017, so there's a huge gap. But I love going back and reading about the lore and the cards and the sets and such. So um, I also kind of like picking up once in a while like older booster packs off of eBay. And I haven't bought any from Magic Origins, but I'm kind of tempted to to do so. So like, what's what's like your favorite card that you remember from from Magic Origins? My very first card that I got was was uh, Chandra Fire of Kaladesh. Oh, okay. She was a flip uh, commander card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I remember reading, that they uh, Planeswalkers had always been the special Planeswalker type, but then in Origins, they gave us the regular creature version that would flip into the, into the uh, Planeswalker version. So was it complicated to play that card? Because... Planeswalkers were already kind of complicated if you never played. And then now to see a creature that then had a stipulation to flip, what what did you think about that? She was a little bit easy to actually flip, but as soon as she flips, that's when you really got to hamper down and take care of her because uh, Mm. once those loyalty counters start uh, slowly going up, people start getting nervous and they start going after her. So you really got to... Like, they don't mind her too much in her human form but when she go but when she goes and her spark at night she goes planeswalker then they're all like oh i gotta take care of that because <laughs> she drops an emblem which mm. deals massive damage yeah those emblems we don't have any way to interact with them yet although they keep hinting that one day we will have cards to deal with emblems but once you get one of those that that really you really run away with the game with it don't you yes indeed so you've been playing pretty nonstop then since Origins? That was like 2015, 14, somewhere around there, 16? Yep. Very nice. Then when did you get into Magic Arena? As soon as it came out, actually. I was an early supporter. It's one of the reasons why they've uh, made me one of their uh, uh, content creator. They put me on one of their content creator programs. The early access streamer event? Yeah, that's them. Let's give Wizards a shout-out. I've also been a part of it recently. Thanks, Wizards of the Coast, for giving us both the opportunity to be a part of that and to check out the uh, the latest and greatest cards. Um, so you've been... Uh, so I guess then you've been there on Arena starting off with, like, uh, you know, Ixalan and such and seeing the game evolve... That's right. I was there from the very beginning, from every single bug that they had back then <laughs> to every single bug they still got back now. And But it's been a journey, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Did you ever pull off the old um, Forerunner of the Empire plus Polyraptor trick? Actually, no. Um, the two decks that I usually run are Land Destruction mm-hmm. and... Um, Oh, back then it was a bunch of elves with uh, 
with hydras. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. Uh, land destruction. There isn't that much of it. The ones off the top of my head, it was like a black one in Ixalan, and then I guess a red one. What did you like to run in, in your land destruction decks? Um, Haphazard Bombardment was the ultimate land destruction card. Hmm. I'm sure it cost a lot of mana, so you had to kind of um, not really play a control game, but you had to play a long game, I suppose, to get to that amount of mana. Not too long. If you could survive until the fifth turn, uh, the game's over. Mm-hmm. Um, because back then, like, I shouldn't say really back then, because <laughs> like, the rotation just happened last year, but, um, but like back in the former rotation, you had a whole whack of amazing support cards, like the Matic com- Compass, which mm-hmm. turns into a land that you can knock your opponent out of combat with. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like treasure maps, which allow you to scry, and then they, and then it gives you a bunch of like treasure tokens, and then you could use those treasure tokens to draw cards, and you have a whole bunch of ramp ramping up cards and then you just um maximize all your land destruction cards <laughs> and uh, your your enemy just your opponent just never sees it coming until it actually happens yeah how do you feel the caliber of opponents from back in those like beta times to now really a lot of it's actually the same um one thing that you really get to kind of know about Magic the Gathering after a week or two of playing it is that you see a lot of the same decks all the time. Um, a lot of people net deck in Arena. It gets to the point where it's almost toxic, but you know, you just figure out a way to deal with it. You get your wins and you move on. Mm-hmm. I've been playing since let's say let's see around sometime like april 2018 i remember applying for the beta access in like january 2018 after it had started to be announced in late 2017 and so i got the 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 beta access in april 2018 and i've been playing it since then so yeah i've also been seeing it how they've improved the bugs added features little by little some features uh, seem to be given more effort than others, but at least we get like a lot of a lot of feedback and a pretty good amount of transparency from the company that tells us here's what's coming next. So uh, kudos to them to keep improving the client, and I hope they keep improving it via the uh, community feedback. Um, since you've been playing Magic, all forms of Magic for a little while, uh, what would you say your your skill level is beginner, intermediate, advanced, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, in between intermediate and advanced. Oh, very nice. So then what sort of advice would you like to give to someone that's just starting off, you know, with, with the knowledge that you have, if they're starting off in paper or arena, what would you like to tell them? Don't listen to the store owners and get massive cards, like big cards. <laughs> Always... The starting, like the starter packs are always, they're, they're okay. They're not like the best, but the starter packs are exactly that. They're there for you to get a basic deck and for you to figure out how it works and how the, me- how the mechanics work of that deck against your opponents. You're going to lose a bunch, mm-hmm. but that's how you learn the game. You, you lose. You figure out how you lost, why you lost, and you make adjustments. And that's when you start buying the single cards. You have to slowly build it up. Yeah, I definitely agree. After I got back into Magic, I I went to San Diego Comic-Con and uh, Wizards of the Coast has always had a presence there. But I never really paid attention because I wasn't I wasn't into magic. Even though I I kept my cards between the year two thousand and twenty seventeen, and when I got back into it and I went to that that Comic Con in twenty seventeen, they had those welcome decks. They had those free mono colored decks, and I thought, well, the game's still around. That's cool. I have fond memories of it, and I'll get a deck or two. So I got back into magic because of those because. 
even though the game had changed, a lot of the rules had changed, not the like the basic aspect of the rules, but several rules had changed and even the card designs had changed. Those welcome decks really helped me get back into it. So I totally agree with you there about that's a great way to get started. What do you think about Planeswalker decks then as a like as a next level or so or people to get into it? Or should they take those welcome decks plus booster packs and such or go with uh, Planeswalker decks? Well, the Planeswalker decks are there to ensure that you, you have some power output. You're not going to lose every single game. It all depends on the Planeswalker itself. Every Planeswalker that they put into those packs are meant to support the deck. And the deck is meant to support that Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. So it all... It's really... It's six one half a dozen or the other in in all honesty there's no real distinction between um getting a full-on pack versus you know getting an actual planeswalker pack Mm -hmm. the planeswalker just adds that extra mm, i guess you could say that extra zazz if that's even a word probably not even a word i will allow it (laughs) (laughs) yes um i think the there is a lot of a lot of zazz in those decks with that planeswalker especially if you can ultimate them uh one of the things that i like to do i've got a youtube channel where i do planeswalker upgrade videos and they're pretty popular they get uh they get more views than most of the things that i do on youtube so the as of this recording the the latest ones the um elspeth and the ashiok decks came out and I'm in the process of upgrading them. Last week I released the Elspeth one and it's already getting a few views and questions about how do I do this, how do I do that. And and this week I just released the uh, the Ashiok one. So it's kind of fun to see how Wizards puts out this version of a, of a deck with that very interesting flashy planeswalker, which then you can take and and further upgrade. How do you how do you feel your your skills overall of like adding to what I mean is like helping someone with their deck to add to it to improve it. What do you? How do you think you you fare that way? It all depends on what kind of deck they're playing. I I specialize, so I don't veer too far off what a what my comfort level is. Mm. But like, if they ask me a question relating to something like land destruction or ramping up green cards or. Um, Back in the other day, it was it was uh, red cards, but uh, I don't really uh, focus too heavily on red anymore. Hmm. But uh, not like not really like full on red. I'm now multicolor. Um, but uh, yeah, if it all really depends on what they're asking me, because I'm I consider myself a specialist, and I. I focus on one area of the game and that's the reason why I don't reach mythic sometimes is because um, sometimes my decks get pretty obvious. Sometimes they Mm. don't, sometimes I get, sometimes I get landlocked and sometimes I get mana screwed, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, if you've gotten to mythic at least once, I tip my hat to you. I've gotten up to uh, diamond three uh two times i think in the time that i've been playing uh so congrats on on getting mythic it only happened once once is still pretty impressive because out of the thousands or hundreds of thousands or how how many people are playing uh that's that's a pretty impressive thing especially now like i have not i've not gone past i've not gone past diamond since because um the, the amount of players that are also coming in, but also the decks that they're using now, everything is so fast. And it's one of the, I don't want to get too off topic, but it's one of the more shady areas of the game mm-hmm. where the game is getting too fast, very Yu-Gi-Oh-like. Uh-huh. And it's one of the reasons why I left Yu-Gi-Oh was because the game was too fast. You sit down and the game is practically over a minute later. So... Yeah, it's not to say I'm going to stop playing Magic the Gathering anytime soon. I'm really not, but it um, it is becoming noticeably extremely fast. Where if you're playing a mono red, you could be dying up by turn four. Yeah, 
when I got back into magic, the I was like a complete beginner again to various degrees because there's just been so many different types of cards out there. And I remember my opponent, uh, Christy, when she played her Nissa Planeswalker, I'm like, what is he? What is this card? I don't even understand it. What are these three like little numbers on the left? And is this a creature or what? So the game has really changed. And as I got back into it, uh, I've been the one that's been like so immersing myself in, in the new card. So now I'm leaning towards also the intermediate or advanced sort of level of things. And now the play group is asking me for advice and help and all of that. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, it's like riding a bike. You don't, you don't forget. Um, and the thing is with arena, as, as you were saying right now that, yeah, it's, it's just getting harder and harder to climb because you can easily net deck. And, you know, if people want to learn the game that way and progress that way, that's fine. Everyone can play the way that they want, but I do agree Mm -hmm. about like the game is just getting so fast and you got to be on your game perfectly every single time, one mistake and you're done. And, and climbing the ladder, that's a real thing. If you want to get past the, you know all all of those all of those tiers especially when you when you get into gold and such i've i've been struggling a little bit in gold in the last uh two two months i've been having a little hard time getting back to platinum i get platinum very consistently then i got to diamond a couple of times and i've been kind of stuck in gold recently but i'm not trying to play the most top tier decks and that's part of the problem because you know you play the top tier and you'll you'll get to the top That's right. And the game's algorithm knows what deck you're playing. And they'll put you up against the hardest deck that that deck can go up against every single time. And that's how the algorithm works of Arena. And that's the reason why you don't climb. Because if you have a card in there, even if it's one single card, let's let's say you put like um, Yarok in there. I Mm -hmm. think that's how it's pronounced, right? Yeah. Let's say you put uh, Yarok in there, the Desecrated. If you put that in there with Risen Reef, you're suddenly considered mm-hmm. top tier to the uh, to the game. You're yeah. considered meta. So the game will put you up against other top tier players who have already studied the 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 format, have already studied the the formula, have already studied mm, that how that deck works. Yeah, and and they'll mop the floor with you if they see what kind of deck you're using because they're using an exact opposite knowing that the algorithm is going to pick you to face that opponent and that's how they that's how they usually get you i've definitely felt that because i've got this great deck that is coming together and then it just so happens that the opponent has the one card that will make my house of cards fall apart but I feel that sometimes I'm on the opposite of that. And then I'm playing the deck that is the stronger one versus the opponent. So um, they've never quite released how the algorithm works, but we all kind of play it. And we see that, yeah, you better be on your game, especially if you're trying to use, if you're trying to climb the ladder and use any of the cards in the meta. That's correct. So if you're, if you're playing on arena and whether you're trying to climb the ladder, or just have fun and such, uh, what's like a, a card that you're enjoying at the moment? Oh, there's a few I'm enjoying right now. Well, for one, I reconstructed my land destruction deck for <laughs> this one, which or for this rotation, which it doesn't work for all, for a lot of people, but, um, because, um, the new rotation really destroyed the land destruction kind of cards, right? There's very, very few. But I managed to make a deck that actually works, that people are actually asking me for the card list because mm-hmm. it's being so effective. And it's one of the greatest weapons in my arsenal right now that I use against my opponents. No. You can see them on my channel. Um, right now... Some of my favorite cards in this deck, especially Gates of Blaze, Fires of Inter- Fires of Invention, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, all the land destruction cards, which is Demolish, Rubble Reading, and Tectonic Rift. Those are the only ones now. Mm-hmm. Would you say then? You when you build decks, you gravitate to something red tinged, whatever other colors, but red's got to be in there. Correct, because the land destruction is all red. Um, but you, 
but there's so few of them. Yeah. So you, what you have to do is you have to ramp them up, and that's what you rely on the rest of the deck for. Mm-hmm. What about in general in your whole magic career? Did you? It sounds like you also you like a lot of red and green. Are those kind of like the colors that you gravitate towards? Uh, the colors of Nicol Bolas, basically. Uh, blue, black, and red. Mm, okay. Very nice. Uh, I never quite memorized. I still haven't memorized all the 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 three color names. I'm I'm fine with the two color names. You know, Demir, Orja, blah blah blah. But I never quite remember. I remember that there's Grixis and Bant and and Naya, but I don't remember which each of the colors are because I don't I don't play a lot of three color decks. Yeah, I play a lot of uh, I play a lot of four and five color decks. Oh, that's fun. Uh, getting more colors seems to be more fun but also depending on your opponent it could be um tough to battle someone that is a little bit more focused on two colors would you say yeah that's the only thing that this deck for example is weak against it's weak against those who ramp up their cards right away through mono like mono red mono Mm. green Mm -hmm. so um like you it like like I said earlier, the game is so fast, so mm-hmm. you need to have the cards in your deck that will help you survive until you have enough power to to attack. It's like in chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You strategically move the position of your pieces, and then you attack once the, once uh, everything is in order. And that's exactly what you got to kind of do, and you really got to... Be careful with a lot of decks now. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in seeing your deck. Would you mind perhaps at some point putting that deck list in, in my Discord? Yes, I'd love to. Oh, very cool. So listeners, uh, if you're interested um, in, in, in the deck, you've got to uh, get on that Discord. So that's a little plug for the Discord. <laughs> Now, uh, as for myself, I seem to gravitate towards something that's black-aligned. I like Orzhov decks and Demir decks, and recently I've been doing... I've been giving a shot to the mono-black devotion deck. Uh, I didn't play during original Theros, but uh, people have been saying that now that Grey Merchant of Asphodel is back, that's kind of a way to do that. So um, I've got this mono black deck with uh, the Grey Merchant, with the uh, Agonizing Remorse, with uh, Nightmare Shepherd. So um, it's kind of fun there. And back when I played in the 90s, I also seemed to gravitate towards black themed decks. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm trying out now. Um, black or blue black or, or white black. The only thing wrong with black is that if someone blocks your graveyard, your deck is in big trouble. Yeah. And there's some good uh, graveyard hate at the moment. There's that one soul guide lantern, you know, that one artifact that can wreck a graveyard. There's also the ley line of the void, a couple of other things. So, yeah, that's... uh, that's really kind of like the interesting aspect of the philosophy of the magic colors that in theory, in theory, every color or combination could be good if you find the right combination. And they, if one color is lacking, then you team up with another color to fill in what is lacking. Indeed. And also like um, your enchantment and artifact portion of your, of your table is very hard to get rid of also there are actually very few cards out there that will actually get rid of them so if you're facing off against an opponent that is very artifact or Mm -hmm. and or enchantment heavy you could be in big trouble if you if you don't actually have the deck to uh, to get rid of them exactly i was playing um, what was I playing? Probably some sort of Demir deck, and I would run into so many uh, Fires of Invention deck, and I'm like, I can't deal with that enchantment. But uh, Theros Beyond Death just printed Farika's Libation, which is a three casting cost instant that forces the opponent to discard an enchantment, and it's at common, so... Uh, that's that's been very helpful in the black decks. The artifacts are still a problem, and the closest 
kind of removal for that is using a meteor golem, but that's seven mana to, to get to that. Yeah, the meteor golem is almost no longer it's also no longer viable because of the mm-hmm. speed of the game. But like if you're facing against mid to um like um decks that um require you being in the game for like eight to ten rounds, then mm. it's more it's more likely you can use it, but you still need a lot of uh, mana to push that card out. Yeah, definitely. Seven is a huge amount in in standard, which is a pretty fast format. In other formats, perhaps it, it might work out. I know that. Uh, so in my real life play group, we also indulge in commander, and I know there that a. Uh, uh, seven mana investment of a meteor golem at the right time isn't so bad, and I've been able to take out my opponent's stuff with that golem, and then even bring it back from the graveyard with shenanigans and and do it all again. Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan of EDH Commander, and the reason why I say that is because you can only have one card mm-hmm. of any type in there, you know, so or of any name, I should say. Mm-hmm. So. Like you have to have variety, but it also gives you variety as well. Yeah, we don't have Commander yet on Arena, but I've liked how they've made some of these singleton events because it's really cool to play against someone. It's like, well, they just wiped my board, but at least I know they don't have the same card again, ready to do it again. Um, any thoughts on Commander Junior, aka Brawl? It's all right, but the problem that I see with Brawl is the lack of cards. Um, this rotation really took out a lot of cards that could really ramp up in a commander deck. And now it's, um, again, you're facing the same kind of decks. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's... It's not as fun as Commander is, which allows you to access all those previous uh, formats and all yeah. those previous uh, packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, well. We'll get to that into into the let, let's well. Let's kind of just do a quick jump ahead. Actually, one of the questions that I was going to ask is one one thing that we could improve about Magic, either the game, the community, the app, whatever. And I wanted to say that I, I really wish they would have uh, unlocked in their historic format, unlocked all of the cards that had been ex- in existence uh, in in Arena because it was programmed in that we had Hour of Devastation block and Kaladesh block, even those problematic cards in there. The, the historic format at the moment is just not deep enough to really make that viable amount of deck. So I wish they had gone back just a little bit further. And then I wish Brawl also wasn't just standard, even though they have a historic Brawl or friendly Brawl. Why did they change the name? Uh, I just wish that it was kind of a little bit more open-ended because people love Commander and everything seems to point to that that's the most popular way to play. So I don't know why they don't unlock that in the app. I wholly agree. Uh, the The game, um, the cards that are out right now are very are very cliche you have you have cards that are meant for one specific thing you don't have that variety that you did in the past format so that's one of the reasons why like you face a lot of the same things it's because it's not because only because everyone's net decking from you know the top meta but it's also because magic the gathering hasn't really brought forward all the um all the proper uh systems yet because once they switch to another rotation then all those other packs and all those cards just get pushed to the wayside Hmm. even historical yeah while it does actually help be doing historical brawl it's still not it's still not the same as edh commander because edh commander goes back even further yeah, 25 whole years of cards and history and variety. Like, I've got this mono black Ayara deck in Commander in real life. And uh, she's a, a recent Commander. Uh, she's a recent card from Eldraine. She's the black, black, black uh, elf noble that 
drains the opponent when I summon a black creature in the whole decks, mostly mono black. So when I was looking for some tutors, if you look through the whole history of magic cards, well, the famous one, of course, is Demonic Tutor, but that's the most expensive. But there's just so many if you if you go through the various history through, throughout the history of magic. So I was able to put in some some tutors and in kind of a slower, well, in my play group at least, where we're able to build mana, you know, a four mana tutor or a five mana tutor is not so bad. So, um, yeah, historic format, historic brawl is, is just not, uh, not deep enough. And the weird thing about it is that if you want to play it on, on Wednesday, which is another issue, uh, that's only going to be standard brawl. So that's annoying. And it also falls on a bad day, too, because on Wednesdays, I have my bowling league, and mm-hmm. right afterwards, I, I have Dungeons and Dragons, so there's no way I can I can get into it. So, uh, like, that day is completely uh, uh, inaccessible for me. Yeah. The game is so fast, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> have there been any cool, fun, weird moments on Arena that come to mind? Well, I had a cool moment the other day on on uh, Arena. Not too long ago, I had the um, I had the Gilded Goose mm-hmm. ramped up to well over twenty thousand attack power. What? How does that happen? <laughs> you you uh, you use a card which is called Hydra's Growth, right? Oh yeah. It puts, it puts a 1-1 counter on the creature, and then every single round it doubles those counters. <laughs> so if you can keep it protected, you could really wrap that card up, and um, it just gets absolutely ridiculous, uh, especially when you, uh, especially when you put some kind of lifelink card onto mm-hmm. it as mm-hmm. well, because then all of a sudden you're gaining all of that life. So I was. I was just kind of laughing at my opponents, unfortunately, for them. It's like, there's nothing you can do to me. That sounds so funny because the goose starts off as a 0-2, and so to have yeah. it have thousands of, of of power and toughness, that is that is incredibly hilarious. Yeah, it's, I call it the Canadian goose <laughs> because That's... those birds are mean, I'm telling you. Now, I know I know a little bit about Canadian currency. There's the loonies and the toonies, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> which one which one did you have there on the battlefield at twenty thousand? I had the gilded goose, which is the loony. <laughs> <laughs> the toonie is the toonie is a bear, so Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's see what bears do we have at the moment. Well we've got some bears in Eldraine. Uh, Flaxen Intruder makes the three the three bears. So, yeah, and of course Vivian's Grizzly from War of the Spark. Oh yeah, that sounds pretty fun. Um, yeah, uh, last night. So when it, when we're recording this uh, last night, I was on stream. I, re- I stream on uh, Saturdays at eleven p.m. Pacific time, and with my with my uh, friends in the stream, we crafted a deck that was creatures only, and we spent like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes crafting the deck. It was a black and white vampire deck uh, in historic, and. We spent that amount of time crafting it, and then I went to play it, and I won the game like in two minutes. So it was so fast, and it was so overpowered, and it didn't have it didn't have any instant sorceries or anything at all. It was just all of the classic vampires that we've got at the moment, with a, a new the a few of the newer ones, and it was just so fast. So that that was pretty funny. When my opponent was playing a little slower, and they were trying to build up, uh, and uh, I overran them with vampires. That's the thing. Yeah, like if you've got. If you, that's the thing, you ramp them up and you just go on all out on attack. And if you've got the lifelink, then you can afford the sacrifice and you can afford taking the damage once they finished attacking. So I played the deck a few different times. And on one of the times, um, the opponent didn't realize that their board wipe was going to kill them because I had like five or six vampires out and a cruel celebrant so when they did the board wipe all five of those vampires did five damage to them and they were at that at their final bit of life so sometimes if you're going to wipe the board you've got to make sure that it won't backfire on you 
That's exactly it, because I've done that a few times. I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> that's just, it, that's funny. Like, th there's so many things to keep track of, and it's like, well, I'll, I'll play the usual board wipe, and I'll be fine. But whoops, they have to, they happen to have the one card that uh, that negates it all, so to speak. Oh, uh, yeah, lovely blue. <laughs> So we talked a little bit about uh, maybe negatives about magic or what could be improved, but uh, what is uh, one thing perhaps that you could say that you love about the game? If you can narrow it down. Oh, um, what do I love about magic? I think it's the diversity. Hmm. There's just so many cards and they all do so many things and the artwork is just fantastic. Wizards of the Coast have done an absolutely incredible job with Magic the Gathering and um, and the artwork that goes into each card, the the careful thoughtfulness that they put into every single print. Mm -hmm. And um, if it's one thing that I love collecting most about cards, it's just for their visual appeal. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Not only is it a fun game and lots of strategy to figure out, but your work you're holding like a little work of art in your hand if you play with the the uh the paper ones. And then if you stop and and examine them, if you if you right click the card on arena, you also get a, a full version of it. So I agree on that. There's a lot of great art, a lot of great talented artists. What did you think about the secret layer drops with all of that interesting alternative artwork? You're talking about like the uh, the stained glass type arts and such? Well, it was that one special set that Wizards sold that was, uh, there was a set called OMG Kitties, there was another one called Explosion Sounds, so not, uh, not, the, not the stained walk, not the plain, not the stained glass planeswalkers but the, those special sets that they sold at the end of december i think remember those it was the this big reveal about this like alternate art cards i've heard of them but i haven't actually seen them mm -hmm. that was a set that had a lot of weird unconventional magic art it had for example a set of a set of cat cards. Uh, I put that on the Discord if you want to take a quick look, but it was just, uh, it's it's all of these cards. The, the latest one was Year of the Rat. So it was all of these rat-focused cards with a variety of different artwork, which is not the, the usual style of like hyper-realistic. It's kind of like a more cartoony, kind of fun style of art. That's what the secret layer was. And if you look at past yeah. events, then you'll see also under, under past events, uh, I, Secret Layer 2019. Um, that was just a bunch of weird, interesting art, not unlike or uncommon to our current art styles. Yeah, the, all the uh, cartoony animation ones. Yeah. Like, uh, like I've heard of them, but I never actually invested into these. Mm -hmm. Neither did I, although I was thinking of getting the cat one because one of the fun decks that I like to play in real life is is cat-focused, and I don't have a commander cat deck, but I'd like to create a Selesnia cat deck uh, for commander. I haven't I haven't done it yet, and there was there was a secret layer drop, and there was one of those that was cat-focused, and and I wanted it, but I I totally forgot to get it, and it was only on sale for one day, so that's one of the interesting things about that as well. Uh, what else? Single day sales? <laughs> uh, I'm sure they'll figure out some great interesting things. Yeah, uh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what new things Wizards are going to come up with next. I'm already looking forward to the next expansion. The next one is Ikoria Layer of Behemoths, I believe. What, what do you think? Speculation about what that one might be. I don't know, but what I really... What I really hope that the next set does is slow the game down. <laughs> like, they need cards that slow other cards down. Like, they need cards that, that take away haste. They need cards that take away ramping power. They need cards that take away the ability to rapidly search from the graveyard. <laughs> they need a set that counters the prior sets. 
so it slows the game down and and you can breathe again mm. that's what i'm really hoping that they start doing for the next expansion is creating cards that slow the game down mm-hmm. it's too fast after we had the uh the scourge of oko uh, hopefully they'll take that to heart and figure out to make a new set that is interesting, that is fun, but yeah, maybe slow it down, maybe depower it a little bit. And I know sometimes people think that's a dirty word, depower, but it's like you you see what we get with uh, with a constant stream of sets that are like very overpowered. That's right. Like it's gotten to the point, like again, where you're finished on turn four, the the opponent only has two mana on the field, yet they have like eight guards out on on the field. So it's like, it's uh, it's it's too much. Well, we talk a lot about magic on this podcast, uh, the best hobby of all. But apparently, other hobbies exist as well. Are you into anything non-magic related? I know you said Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, what what uh, well what else besides magic are you into? Uh, I do a lot of live streaming for uh, MMORPGs. You can do the D and D. I forgot to ask you that. That is like a real that that is a real life thing that you do, or is it a uh, a, a digital one? Both. I do both in real life and digital. I'm uh, I do it on Roll Twenty, and I also do it on Discord. Hmm. I I don't know if you. If you keep up to date with the um, uh, with the ladies of Good Luck High Five, uh, but I follow them on Twitter, and Maria posted that she started a new podcast, which is an improvisational Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh, I think it's called Break the Dice, and they just released one episode, and I was listening to it, and it was hilarious. They're 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 really funny. Uh, they they did a little quest, and they just improv improvised the whole thing with comedy plus Dungeons and Dragons. So I recommend you check that out uh, if you if you like Dungeons and Dragons. For sure, just send me the link, and I'll definitely give it a look and give it a like. Sure thing. I do my best to support other D and Ds. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, a few more that are um, that are kind of melding D and D with magic, and that's uh, I totally support that because the more fandom there is, and the more things to do, the more we can all enjoy together. Well, Wizards of the Coast released the uh, the the uh, dual worlds where you know you could go into Kaladesh, you could go into Zendikar, and and all these other MTG worlds with uh, with a and D mindset. So like they built them for fifth edition, mm. and they're quite uh, they're quite interesting. One thing that they didn't do is actually put the Planeswalker stat sheets in there, which I don't understand why they wouldn't. I was really looking forward to seeing how like Chandra Nalar was built yeah. on a character sheet, like oh. on a D&D character sheet. That would have been really nice to see. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you're if you've heard of or if you're into the show Rick and Morty, but they recently had a uh, two volumes of a comic book published where it was Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons. So there's like some official character stats for those characters, although they're in character, they're not the you know the real world stats for them. So D and D, I think Wizards is doing a good job of kind of bringing it out there to more avenues. And uh, that's just uh, more more to enjoy. They're releasing great content. The content that Wizards of the Coast are releasing is phenomenal. I think so. There's They've been around 25 years. They've got the larger parent company Hasbro behind them. They've got these various properties, D&D, Magic, Transformers, My Little Pony. So there's a lot of content out there to, to uh, partake in. It just opens up the it just opens up the idea to a bunch of cross world, cross realm, cross platform. Mm-hmm. They're coming out with uh, they're coming out with the Magic the Gathering uh, Netflix series soon too. I'm really looking forward to watching and being a good fan of that, and mm-hmm. really hope they do a great job with that. From what I understand, the pedigree behind it is pretty good. They've got various directors and writers that are big names, so that's very good. And Netflix seems to create a lot of co- quality content, so that's another uh, 
that's another good point for them and um, a magic movie or or such you know visual content has been clamored for for years and years and years and we're finally going to get something very soon yeah uh i haven't quite looked into it but it seems like they are but it seems like they are doing the uh, origins storyline by by the looks of it i think i'm Mm. hoping that's what the case is we'll see but i i would love to see um my favorite origins characters live on the screen i would absolutely love to see an episode of hour of devastation between the gatewatch and nickel bolus oh my god i would be i would have my bowl of popcorn ready for that one <laughs> they're gonna end an episode on a cliffhanger when when torment of, of hailfire is cast <laughs> i would throw my popcorn bowl at the screen i'd be like no you can't do this to us <laughs> Well, the um, the future looks bright. Magic's been around 25 years, and it will probably be around 25 more years, so there's a lot to look forward to. So any final thoughts on anything Magic-related as we wind down? Message to Magic the Gathering staff, if ever they come across this podcast. I love your product. I'm going to be <laughs> enjoying your product for a good long time. You need to slow the game down. <laughs> So are you listening there, Mark Rosewater, Gavin Verhey, and everyone in the team, Melissa DeTora? Let's slow it down a little bit. Yeah, get some cards out that deal with those hasted creatures, especially those hasted creatures, because that's it's getting it's getting too wild out there now. Yeah, they had something that made creatures come into play tapped in Kaladesh, I remember. Yeah. And there was that one dinosaur in Ixalan, I think, that also made them slow. So that's missing from the that's current right. meta. So that's something they could put back in. Maybe in Ikoria, because it'll be like some big old dinosaur or beast or whatever that just slows everyone down. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we solved it. So once they put one of those cards in the in the set, there we'll be happy to get our royalty check when we because we figured it out. Get those dinosaurs back because those decks were absolutely incredible. I say absolutely a lot, don't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the dinosaurs of the previous uh, of the previous format was they were really good stuff. And it's sad to see them go because you could really use that kind of power right now. Yeah, I enjoyed the archetypes of of Ixalan. After I got back into Magic, uh, Ixalan block was the first block that was like a, a, a whole cohesive story that, that I got back into because I was at the very tail end of Hour of Devastation, so I had to kind of go back to see what happened. But yeah, I missed those dinosaurs, and maybe we'll get a return to Ixalan in a few years because there's still a lot of dinosaurs to explore or vampires or pirates or uh, all of that good stuff. Want to hypothesize for a minute? Sure. Let's say War of the Spark didn't end up the way it did. Let's say, let's say Nicol Bolas actually won that battle <laughs> and he took all the sparks and he became, and he became the god that he wanted to return to <laughs> being. And he basically undid everything that happened. I honestly think if that would have happened that way, we could have gone back to the early 90s of Magic where the Planeswalkers were just simply you, the player. Because hmm. back in the past, I remember through a lot of people saying and a lot of people telling me the tales of old, of Magic the Gathering old, that you, the player, were considered the Planeswalker hmm. until they started coming up with the actual Planeswalker cards and then you were just considered a, a mage or a wizard. Hmm. So... Hypothesizing here for a minute. Hmm. Bet I'm using the wrong word, but um, (laughs) uh, let's let's say Bolas did win. It would allow. It would have allowed uh, Wizards of the Coast to reset the game and actually go back to old Magic 
and slowly build it up again. Hmm. But they chose instead to have the good guys win and the bad guy, of course, lose. And, um, like, I don't... One thing I don't know is how Magic the Gathering is going to one-up War of the Spark. Because that was such an epic, um, epic war to mm-hmm. to preserve your spark. And to go from that kind of height to something so simple from Throne of Eldraine, it was like, it was one of the reasons why I had a hard time getting into Eldraine um, for, for a little while there is because like I completed the book of war and the spark. I read it. Mm -hmm. I read the whole thing and I, and I shut the book and I'm like, (gasps) and then you, you, you just exhale and it's like, oh my goodness. And then they move on to this story, this completely different thing where it's so simple and it's like, uh, it's like mm-hmm. a filler episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that, you know, that they have, they, they have a slow build up to something extreme again. That makes a lot of sense because right now it does feel that, okay, there's Eldraine and then there's Theros Beyond Death. It does seem like there's a little pause in things. There were stories happening in, in both those sets and something's coming for Ikoria as well. But definitely after ramping up for years to get to the culmination in War of the Spark, there's something to be said about like, yeah, taking a little breather, but how are they going to top that? Because that was a big thing that was... That was a set that brought a lot of people into magic with that amazing trailer. Remember the trailer? And uh, yeah. we'll see We'll see where it goes from there. Yes, we will. I look forward to it. What would you like to promote once more time? Let people know where we can find you online to, uh, to see your stuff. All right. Again, you can contact me anytime on Twitter at Rosala underscore SN. That is R-O-S-Y-L-A underscore S-N. The Y in my name is silent, so it's pronounced Rosla, not Rosila. <laughs> um, you can also go to my YouTube channel, Rosla Streaming Network. And... Um, it's a blue banner with a red rose in the middle, and it literally says Rosla Streaming Network along uh, along the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. So, except no substitutions. That's right. You know, you can go into the channel. Just send me a message on any of my videos. I have instant. Uh, I have uh, instant notifications as soon as a comment or anything appears on my channel. So I will be able to, of course, respond to you very, very quickly. And uh, I'm on Discord 24/7, so you can always go. Uh, you could always go to uh, to Discord to uh, VM Campos's uh, Discord, and you can, of course, get to me through there. Great. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to put all of the links into the show notes. People will be able to find you easier there. And that's really cool that you're available for people. As for myself, I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I stream Magic Arena on Saturday nights, 11 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube and Twitch. On Twitch, I'm at twitch.tv slash vmcampos. On YouTube, though, I'm at youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. I have to put a little jr in there because uh, the other vmcampos uh, took my name. But everywhere else, I use vmcampos. And I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. I put a lot of free stuff there. If people just click follow, they will be alerted to everything that I do. I do this magic podcast on Fridays. I do a podcast on comics on Wednesdays. I do magic videos on Mondays, etc. And people can get alerted to all of that for free on Patreon with a free follow. Or if they go to the uh, $2 pledge, they'll get access to all of the exclusive stuff that I do. Plus, I will mail people vintage magic cards from my collection. Uh, But no, not a Black Lotus. And so that's uh, some of the best ways that people can get in touch with me and also the Discord. So I'm all over the place as well. Uh, well, Rosla, thank you so much for being on the podcast and hope you and hope to have you back again at some point. 
I look forward to it. Call me anytime, anywhere. We should do a co-op this Saturday for your live stream. Oh, that might be fun, actually. Yeah, let's set that up. And uh, if you're up, well, I know you'll be up. You've got the vampiric hours going on. So we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Sounds like a wonderful plan. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.